Today's uh, topic, keep your spouse happily faithful. Subtitles, faithful is pure, happily faithful is divine. It's wanting and being wanted to the fullest degree. So what does Hasidus have to say about this? And we're going to show and explain the emphasis here isn't faithful. We don't need to give a lecture on the importance of being faithful. But happily faithful is a real challenge. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's start with a story. Um, a lady came to the Rebbe by dollars. And uh, the lady started crying. And she mentioned to the Rebbe that her, her uh, son had really gone astray. She was from a religious family and her husband and everything. And his son really completely went astray. And if I remember the details of the story, he got involved with Christianity or whatever it may be. And what happened at the point was that the Rebbe, she asked the Rebbe for a blessing, and the Rebbe gave her a blessing. And then she started crying and said, Rebbe, in Yiddish she said it, right? and she said, Rebbe, the world says that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So even if my son, my apple to my tree, was to fall, but this is extreme. This is like, you know, from bar park to, well, how did that happen? And the Rebbe gave her an answer, which really is the foundation of what we're going to say today. The Rebbe said that law of physics, that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, is only in a normal climate. If there's a hurricane blowing from when the apple disconnects to the tree until it finds its resting place in the ground, it could be very far. I need that story to be the foundation of what we're going to talk about. Because in a normal situation, we should not be having such a lecture. We don't really need to give a lecture on how to keep a spouse happily faithful. It should be the norm. You got married, you made a commitment, you're a mensch, do what you gotta do. But what I am suggesting is that the normalcy that would normally maintain us to be faithful, even more so happily faithful, is only a normal climate. We're not in a normal climate today. Let me explain. One of the most beautiful portions in the Torah is probably the Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael is here, Israel, God is our God, God is one. And in that portion of the Torah, you know, that's the point of self-sacrifice that has always been on the final words of, on the lips of a Jew in this physical lifetime. And very interesting, it's given in Deuteronomy. Moses had 40 years to give us that portion. He didn't. He actually gave it to us in his final 37 days of his life, in his farewell speech. Not only that, he gave it to us at the border of the Jordan River. Why? Why didn't he give it to the generation that was really his generation, the ones that received the Ten Commandments? Why did he wait for the next generation that was on the border of Jordan where he's saying goodbye to them? Why did he give them that Shema? The answer is because in the Shema is the secret of self-sacrifice. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya that when the Jews were in the protective clouds of glory, in the desert, not mixed into other civilizations, they really didn't need that amazing power of self-sacrifice in their relationship to God. Normalcy was enough. You woke up in the morning, logic, rationale, commitment, you do what you got to do. We belong to God and God belongs to us and period. That's the way it works. But now Moses sees the clouds of glory are going to be leaving. The protective environment is gone. We're going into a civilization where we won't wake up in the morning and have mana and spend our day learning and praying. We're going to seven days a week, six days a week, work hard and have minute time to focus on inner commitment. Now we're going to be challenged with assimilation. We're dealing with other civilizations. We're going to be picking up different ways of behaving, different paradigms. All of a sudden we need self-sacrifice. If this is said about the Jewish people entering, leaving the clouds of glory, entering into civilization and responsibilities of running the land of Israel, how much more so when we're put into exile? We definitely need the power of self-sacrifice. Which, by the way, and hear me please, by the way, we're taught that is the gift of exile. The gift of exile is that we cannot run on normalcy. We cannot be in cruise control. We need to elevate 
we need to accelerate into self-sacrifice. That's something that the Jews in Israel, and how much more so in the times of King Solomon, and how much more so in the clouds of glory in the desert, didn't need. They didn't need self-sacrifice. Temptation wasn't banging down their door. They didn't have to find inner strength. So the gift of exile actually is that we are being squeezed like the olive being crushed to produce an inner essence of oil. Thus, all of a sudden, our relationship with God takes on a whole new quantum leap of a paradigm. It's not because it makes sense. It's not because I feel it. It's actually because I have self-sacrifice for this. With that being said, I want to share with you the same goes on with our marriages. Now let's stop for a moment and think. The reason our spouse married us is because they love us and they want to forever be with us. So why are we here talking about keeping your spouse happily faithful? That's the norm. And the answer is that that is the norm in a healthy climate in a sane environment, when billboards are showing family values, when TV shows are showing the normalcy of human commitment and relationships. But when we're living in a time when we are each, our spouse and ourselves, when we are each being bombarded by a hurricane, a tornado, and a thunderstorm that's crashing against the commitment we have to faithfulness, when we're living in the insanity of Hollywood paradigm, then yes, we need to have such a lecture. We need to realize that the normalcy of two humans that love each other and commit to each other isn't going to be enough. Thus, we now have the gift of the hurricanes that challenge our relationships. What do I mean by that? Guys, remember Fiddle on the Roof? It's a beautiful conversation between the husband and the wife. Do you love me? She finds that question so ridiculous, she refuses to answer. Tevye doesn't back down. Answer me. Do you love me? Pushed into answering, what's her answer? 25 years, I, I did your laundry and this and that. And, you know, if that isn't called love, what is? The gift of our challenged society is that that answer isn't enough. The gift of our challenges in our marriages that that question isn't enough. Because the challenges of our marriage drives us to a deeper level of commitment in order to be able to be faithful and how much more so happily faithful. Thus in a bittersweet way, there is a gift to the challenges that our relationships have. We won't be able to live with just 25 years not knowing if we really love each other and just sufficing with, well, if I do the laundry and then and the man goes ahead and brings home all his uh, paycheck and so forth, that we must love each other. Not enough for today. So then the question is, what is enough for today? People, Prepare for the journey of saying your own Shema Israel, as we said with Moses and the Jewish people. So, to be clear, you saw that I had this subtitle to today's lunch and lecture. It said, faithfulness is pure. Happily faithful is divine. So let's be very clear. <laughs> we don't sit here today and justify people, God forbid, not being faithful because of the challenges that billboards and then and the interrelationships between human beings which lack sanity being influenced by soap operas that's not what we're here to talk about because obedience is enough for faithfulness if you are brought up in a menschliche decent environment where responsibilities are responsibilities and you do what's right because it's the right thing to do then we don't we don't worry about the act of being faithful or not. Some would suggest that in today's environment you need superpowers, encompassing powers, infinite powers to remain faithful. But be it as it may, just a decent upbringing tells you either get divorced or remain faithful. 
But being married and not faithful just isn't a choice. Not for your upbringing. Obedience. Self-control. We have the famous verse. Educate the child in his way so that also when he grows up, he will not veer away from it. Our sages explain what is the definition of in his way. So obviously most people translate his way means that each child is different. You need to talk to them in their format. Actually, one commentary says no. His way means obedience. Now please hear me. If our commitment to do what's right is based upon the gift of our intelligent perception of understanding why it's right, our sane emotional IQ of feeling what's right, then we're in for a roller coaster of a ride. Because what happens if today my intellect fails me? What happens if today my emotions are challenged? So if my actions depend upon my perception and my feelings, I'm in for a roller coaster ride. Human beings are challenged with our perception and our feelings by external factors that deep down we know are wrong. Then you become a driven leaf. But if your actions depend upon obedience, do what's right only because it's the right thing to do, regardless of what you're now thinking, regardless of what you're feeling. So then faithfulness is a given. It's built on obedience. Yes, obedience will produce stable, faithful behavior. But it will not produce happily faithful. The challenge today is, the exploration today that you're here with me for is to understand what is the ingredients to make things happily faithful. So he or she comes home. He or she is suppressing their needs. He or she is faithful. But suppression and happily aren't synonymous. So what do we need to get to happily faithful? So I want to introduce you to two of the human. That the human has two infinite encompassing powers. Intellect is not infinite and encompassing. It's finite and permeating. It's internal. Same with emotions. There are two infinite encompassing powers. That is called the ta'anuk, pleasure, and ratzon, will. What I'm sharing with you today is that, like I told you before, the gift of exile, you can't sit in cruise control when you're being bombarded with secular assimilated thoughts. So too in your relationship, there is a gift that comes out of being bombarded with temptation and assimilated secular thoughts. That gift is going to be that we must embrace and introduce our encompassing infinite powers. So what I'm sharing with you here is the answer to the question of keeping your spouse happily faithful is going to depend on our capacity of introducing into the relationship continuously, keyword in a moment, continuously, these two infinite encompassing powers. If we cannot evoke from our spouse in our relationship to experience these two infinite encompassing powers, we will not be able to keep them happily faithful. What are these two powers? The two powers are known in the teachings of Kabbalah as Ta'anug and Ratzon. Pleasure and will. Note. Please note. I'm going to really race through the Kabbalistic teachings here because I really want to get to the practical side. That's the most important part of such a lecture. If I give you the inner makings of what's going on according to Kabbalah, but I don't send you home, with homework that's practical, so what do I do? It's not going to work. So forgive me, I'm going to race through the Kabbalah thing, just pick out what we need to know, and then let's translate it into human, human language, okay? So let's talk about this. What is the power of will? The power of will is to never be just expressively here, but to be essentially here, okay? 
There's being expressively here and there's being essentially here. What do I mean when I say expressively here or essentially here? Guys, do you have in your group of friends this, uh, this one person who no matter what he's arguing about, is arguing about it so passionately as if this is the most important thing in his or her life? And you're like, hey, chill. It really doesn't make that much of a difference if she wore a violet dress or a blue dress to your aunt's wedding. Whatever happened, happened. We really don't care. Why are you getting so bent out of shape? But this one person in the group is usually the annoying, argumentative person that gets offensive, defensive about any argument. You know, you and I have a list of which arguments you're going to have with me. I'm, I'm going to have a control issue because you're touching some very deep buttons. This is not just a conversation for me. This is what I live for. Don't go there with me. Or go there with me, but get ready for a passionate roller coaster. Then there are other stuff we just talk about. Oh, really? I thought this. Oh, I hear what you're saying. I thought this way. We're not. Wait, wait, wait. It's okay. But then there's one person you probably know, no matter what you're arguing about, He's shouting. He's, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, chill, it's okay. Democratic country, the right to be wrong. Leave it alone. It, when you have such a friend, you now know what it means, the power of will, in a negative way, unfortunately. Because that person never expressive, he's always essentially there. His whole essence is drawn there. That's the power of will. The power of will is to draw in the entire essence of your being as if everything in your life depends on this issue. Now you'll understand why the world says, if there's a will, there's a way. Why? Because the power of will is that you grab the whole essence of your being and you pull it into the situation, which means that you will relentlessly drive at getting what you want to get. When that happens, people can't get into your way. So the power of will is to draw your entire essence into the situation. It's not just, I don't care. Yeah, okay. That's, it's, wow. Please put on hold what this means in relationship. We're going to get there in a moment. All I want you to know right now is that the power of will is to be essentially here rather than just expressively here. Okay? Let's go further. Let's talk about the power of pleasure. See, the power of pleasure is different than the power of will. The power of pleasure is essentially you within you. Let's talk about the difference here for a moment. Will drives you outwards. I want that, and I dare you to get into my way. So you're grabbing your essence and you're going outwards. The power of will is to find the essence of you within you where nothing else exists. Now, normally between you and I, we would normally say that the power of will is stronger than the power of pleasure. Because if you want something, you're going to, wow, you're going totally 100 miles per hour. Every part of you is alive and into it. Pleasure is very relaxed. Pleasure is not engaging. Pleasure is not. But if you hear what I'm saying to you, within these two encompassing powers, the mere fact that will is driving outwards means that will is only expressive. While the fact that pleasure remains somewhere deeply in you where nothing else exists means that it is essential. We've already described that essential is more powerful than expressive. So what I want you to hear is that in the concept of keeping your spouse happily faithful, you may have to keep a bigger eye on pleasure than on will. Okay? Because even though will sounds like a beast, and pleasure just whispers, know that to fill his will, you're not as guaranteed as maintaining his pleasure. Okay? Now let's go to the next step. Let's talk about the facts. Let's talk about pleasure. When it comes to pleasure, people, there's only one rule to remember. 
Pleasure comes from novelty, newness. Find your spouse's deepest pleasure and give it to him or her every single day, and this source of pleasure will become the source of boredom, the source of ak, and drive your spouse to look elsewhere for true pleasure. But I thought you enjoyed this, honey. I used to. And then, every day, same supper, I've had it. I need to go somewhere else, need to find something novel. So novelty depends upon, I'm sorry, pleasure depends upon novelty. I believe I'm using the word novelty, right? Something new, something, okay? So here, guys, here's the rule. Neither Dr. Ruth nor Dr. Phil can change this equation to happily faithful. Please hear the equation, okay? Happily faithful demands pleasure, and pleasure demands novelty. If there's one equation you're going to leave this room with, let it be this equation. Hear it again. Happily faithful demands pleasure. Pleasure demands novelty. Stop producing new, you've stopped producing pleasure, and somewhere inside there's going to create a black hole, a void, which people are going to be challenged to pursue. Important. One more time. Happily faithful demands pleasure. Pleasure demands novelty. So now I want to just share with you, the quicker we understand this, the quicker we can get to the practical side of this lecture. You know what the practical side of this lecture is? Can I forever remain new to my spouse? That's a challenge. Because if I just told you that happily faithful depends on pleasure and pleasure depends on novelty, well, Mazel tov, I'm celebrating my 20th anniversary. Two of us, together, for 19 years. What exactly is novel about that? And then you get this nastiness coming out of, out of Hollywood. Males strive on a variety. Well, there's no variety. I married her 19 years ago. I was married to her 18 years ago. And I'm married to her today. What variety? This is a serious challenge. This is the challenge of today. How do we create novelty so that we can create pleasure, so that we can create happily faithful? You know, in the chorus line, the lead dancer knows one thing. There's always going to be someone younger, someone prettier, someone more ambitious eventually behind her trying to trip her. That's the challenge of a spouse. We know that out there, there's always going to be someone who today is younger, prettier, and more ambitious. And they're looking to trip us. So before I go further, I want to just share with you something I once read in a public speaking book. You see, one of the major issues of public speaking is the fear of the audience. And the book said something which really hit home with me. The people, the audience, chose to come and hear you. They want you. Not only that, they want this night to be pleasurable. So they came to your lecture rooting for you. They want you to succeed in giving them an amazing evening. So what are you afraid of? They're on your side. Spouses. Let me tell you something you may not have unfortunately heard in a long time. Your spouse chose you. Your spouse is routing for you. Your spouse is actually, regardless of no matter what and when, dealing with serious temptations. Deep down, your spouse chose you and wants you to win. So first and foremost, understand that the odds are with you. King David says in Psalm, Poda bishalom nafshi, my soul was redeemed with peace, ki berabim hayu imadi. 
And one interpretation of the latter part of the sentence is that the multitudes were with me. And you know what our sages say? That the men of Avishalom, who was fighting against his father, King David, were praying for King David to win. Very interesting phenomenon. So all of a sudden, you're looking at this as a competitive challenge. I need to win my husband over, and I'm not sure he wants me, or wife, both ways. Well, let me tell you, he chose you. She chose you. Yet it may now be going through a blinding temptation. You know the famous saying, why does opportunity whisper and temptation shout? <laughs> so they're going through temptation. But deep down, deep down, remember, they chose you. They freely chose you to be their spouse. I'm not talking about if the father came with a shotgun and said, you're going to marry my girl. No, but I'm talking about the normal situations. They chose you. So what are you thinking? The audience loves you. They came to hear you. They didn't come to boo you. So please remember that. So let me tell you what we're going to talk about then. So if they chose you, and if they're rooting for you, and if they really want you to win, you their spouse, then here is what it really depends upon. You need to step out and make it happen. When I say the word step out, I mean you need to step out of yourself and make it happen. Please remember what I told you about the power of will. You need to essentially step out of yourself and make it happen. Just like in public speaking, the real enemy is the speaker. He or she is afraid to really step out. We're soon going to discuss how dangerous it is when the other feels that you're holding out on him or her. Problem. So what we're talking about is to be able to clearly step out, but not just step out, essentially step out of yourself. Guys, I want to share with you, God works in such divine, amazing ways. I was talking to a friend this week, and the friend shared with me something that a friend told him. He said as follows. I'm going to read it because this is really powerful. The day my marriage turned around, this is a male speaking, the day my marriage turned around and began to work was only on the day when I realized that my wife isn't about fulfilling my sexual needs and to cook for me. She is my partner and source of energy in everything I do. Remember, we're talking about essential here. Let's go back and read it again because this is definitely worth repeating. The day my marriage turned around and began to work was only on the day when I realized that my wife isn't about fulfilling my sexual needs and to cook for me. She is my partner and source of energy in everything I do. But let's hear what we're saying here. You know what happens when you have that paradigm? There is no more conversation. What do you bring to the table? I'm out there. I'm working. Look what I provide you. What? You're a liability. Why, why do I need to stay in this relationship? But if you have the paradigm that I just presented from that guy, God bless him. I don't know who said that. But I know from the friend who heard it from him. When you come to the paradigm that she isn't my fulfillment of sexual needs, she isn't my dietitian, she isn't my laundry maker, she is my source of energy and partner in everything I do. When you have that paradigm, when you sit down by the table and you say what you bring to the table, you now realize that is exactly what she brings to the table. Because everything you do is empowered by the spouse you have. Let's take it a step further. My dear friends, what I'm sharing with you here is that this is the encompassing power of will. If will is the definition of not being a cook, not being a, forgive me, fulfillment of sexual needs, not being the one who does the laundry, not being the one who brings in an income sometimes even greater than your spouse's income, that's not what you are. Don't be a cook. Don't be a cleaning lady. Don't be a source of income. 
What you need to do is step out everything of you. Don't hold back. Step out with everything so that everything in your spouse's life is you. Hear what I'm saying. Your spouse needs from you what he or she cannot buy for money. Factually speaking, everything I've listed to you, he or she can buy for money. The one thing that he or she cannot buy for money is to have a spouse in the definition of the power of will, where that spouse is willing and daring and brave enough, we'll talk about that soon, to bring everything of theirs to the table. Because the only way to be everything in your spouse's life is by to bring everything into the relationship. Okay? So, we need to repeat this one line again. It's going to be a key line. I'm going to requote this a couple of times. Where everything in his life is filled with everything of you. Am I clear with those words? Please understand. It's italic. It's bold. And the two times I use the word everything, it's underlined. I'm going to say it again. What your spouse needs and the secret of keeping your spouse happily faithful is where everything in his life, again, his or her, where everything in his life is filled with everything of you. Now the question becomes, how does one do that? How do you become everything in someone else's life? Remember I spoke to you about pleasure? Pleasure remains within, but it's the essence of where only it exists. If you become the synonymous pleasure in your spouse's life, then you understand how everything in his life, her life, is filled with everything of you. But the question remains, how can I do that? I told you about the woman in the uh, chorus line. She knows there's always someone behind, prettier, newer, more ambitious, younger. The question over here really is, how, how do we bring everything? So let's back up a moment. Question number one, how do you become everything in your spouse's life? How do you do that? My life, my spouse has a business life. My spouse has Monday night football with the guys. My spouse has, how do I become everything in his life? And is that so healthy to be everything in his life? So I would like to share with you that the answer to that is the second half of the sentence. You become everything in his life when you are willing to bring everything of you into the picture. Now I want to share with you that this, this answers the other question because now we need to ask another question. How do I bring everything of me into anything? That's not easy to bring everything of you. It's beautiful, it's poetic, it's romantic, but is it realistic? How do you bring everything of you? I'm cooking supper. Oh, I'm going to put everything of me into this supper. No, I'm not. I had a real rotten day at work today. I'm probably going to use the microwave and just re-warm up something. How do you do that? How do you bring everything of you into anything? But I will share with you before I answer this question, which I'm about to answer, I will bring with you to one, one interesting point. The answer to that question is the answer to the original question. Remember I asked, how can anyone forever remain new because remember happily married depend happily um, faithful depends upon pleasure depends upon novelty remember we asked that question how do you remember how do you remain novelty forever this is the answer this question will answer that question because you see that place of pleasure that inner essence when you bring everything into the relationship, everything of you, then understand, essence will always remain a novelty. It will always remain a novelty. And that's why people hear what I'm about to tell you, please, the biggest killer of pleasure is when you feel that your spouse is holding back on you. But when your spouse is putting everything into it, everything, they're not holding back anything. I'm bringing everything I have. I'm not protecting myself. I'm not going to do, 
it's not in my notes, but just quickly, I shared this once, you remember sharing it in the, uh, in the high holiday services. This guy and his uh, wife wasn't talking, they were having this non-talking spell, and who's going to start talking first, you know how it works, the fight is long over, but I'm not going to talk first, you talk first to me. The next morning, he had a flight, a business flight, and he needs his wife to wake him up because he never wakes up from the alarm. So he left a note on the night table, please wake me up tomorrow at 5.30 a.m. He wakes up 6.45, turns around and says, what did he do? He said, what are you talking about? Look, there's a little note there, honey, wake up. When you have that type of relationship, where no one's going to put the first foot, no one's, I don't know, are you kidding me? I'm going to be vulnerable in this relationship? Heaven knows who no one can hurt me more than my spouse. She knows all the secrets. She knows my triggers. But understand, that is the killer of pleasure. I can never have pleasure in a relationship where I feel that my other is holding out on me. So understand that the answer to this question becomes the answer to the other question. If you want to know how to always remain a novelty, understand that essence never ages. Essence is forever new. So now the question remains, how do I bring everything of me into a relationship? Which I'm now sharing with you is synonymous with, how can I remain forever new to my spouse? The answer. The answer is, you know the story with the rabbi and the priest? priest asked the rabbi, why do Jewish people always answer a question with a question? And the rabbi looks at the priest, why not? <laughs> I'm going to answer the question with a question. question is, what does it mean for a finite person to be infinite? Let's get religious for a moment. In the Shema Yisrael it says, the God demands of you, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Not enough. And with all your might. The teachings in Kabbalah and means says that with all your might means infinitely. What are you talking about, God? How can I, the finite being, love anything infinitely? Yes, God, you're infinite. You can love infinitely. You deserve to be loved infinitely. But I'm finite. How does the finite produce infinite? Let's talk about marriage. What are you talking about bring everything? What are you talking about being essence? We're finite beings. Give me a list, honey, of what you want me to do, and I will do it for you. Why will I do it for you? Because I love you, honey. But what are you talking about? Be everything in everything. Those are huge words. How can they ever be realistic? That's, that's what we're talking about. Because, as I shared with you prior, the one thing that will kill pleasure is if I don't feel that my spouse is giving me everything she's holding out on me. I can't engage. Pleasure can't engage there. Pleasure needs to be within me, that point where everything is you. Nothing exists but it. Remember, that's pleasure. The essence of you within you where nothing else exists. But you remember that song? If you want me to love you, love me. If you're not going to bring everything in, then you can't be in that place of my being where everything exists. So if you want to do finite things for me, I'll do finite things back for you. It's very simple. You clean the table, I'll carry out the garbage. That's normal. But remember, we now have the gift of temptation. Because normal isn't enough when there's a hurricane, thunderstorm, and a uh, tornado banging on my commitment. So we need to understand what does that mean. And the answer, the answer is that opening sentence that I shared before. The answer is, step out and make it happen. Step out and essentially make it happen. The title to this part of my notes is, Be Infinitely Finite and Finitely Infinite. Please understand that when we talk about bringing everything into it, we're not asking for suicide. We're asking for structured responsibilities, but bring everything of you into it. Stop being afraid to bring it all out. You remember when you were dating? You remember when you were hiding in the backseat of the car? You remember when you were walking in the park? You remember there was nothing about you that you weren't going to give this man in your life or this woman in your life? 
There wasn't a penny that you would hold back. We're talking about bring everything into it. But how do you bring everything into it? In the finite things that you do. If we can learn to be finitely infinite, then we're learning how to be everything in our spouse's life. Because we're putting everything into this relationship with our spouse. That, that is the key word. The key word. So I want you to remember key words I'm saying here to you. In order, the equation. Happily faithful demands pleasure. Pleasure demands novelty. Now I'm going to add on to that. Novelty in human life where we don't have novelty. You're married 20 years, 22 years, 23 years. How do you remain forever new? So I'm going to add on one more step to the equation. Novelty demands everything of you. Because only in that level where there's everything of you, essence, is where you never age. You're infinitely forever new. Okay, guys, getting towards the end. I'm about to hand out papers that gives practical steps. But before that, I want to share with you something. The secret of men. Okay? This lecture isn't geared to the wife any more than it's geared to the husband. But A, history tells me that we normally have here more women at the lunch and learn than men. And number two, I'm a man. I can only tell you what a man feels. I'm going to need after this lecture for you women to help me. It's not fear <laughs> that I can tell you what I need, but I'm not hearing what my spouse needs. So, I'm going to do something here. I want to share with you what a husband looks for in lovemaking. And I mean lovemaking in the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual sense of the word. Okay, I'm not talking about what they want in having sex. That's physical. I'm talking about what a husband looks for in lovemaking. I'm going to share with you that a husband looks for three things. Okay, number one. Show me that you go on forever, infinite in length, width, and depth of you. I'm going to say that again. What a husband looks in lovemaking with his wife is show me that you go on forever, infinite in length, width, and depth of you, number one. Number two, allow me into where I have never been before. Remember the novelty yearning. So number one is saying, don't hold out on me. I know that you're infinite. Every human being is the fingerprint of God. God is infinite. Show me. Show me that you go on forever in length, width, and depth of you. Number two is asking for novelty. Allow me in where I have never been before. For this, forgive the words I'm using, the sexual, but for this lovemaking to be the ultimate experience, I'm going to need you today to allow me in where I have never been before. And then goes the final step, number, C, number three, C. Allow me to show you places within you that you didn't even know exists. These three ingredients, I believe, is essential. I'm a, I'm a man. These three ingredients are essential from a male's perspective, the husband's perspective, to be able to say that that lovemaking that I had will keep me happily faithful forever. I ain't looking nowhere. I want to go over these three steps one more time. Step number one, show me that you go on forever, infinite in length, width, and depth of you. Number two, allow me into where I have never been before. Don't hold out on me. Number three, Allow me to show you places within you that you never knew existed. Give that to your husband 
and he will be happily faithful forever. Now the question is, how does a woman do that? Remember, yeah, I can get romantic and poetic and draw you abstract, but then I'm being as cruel as Hollywood is to us. Practically, how does a woman do that? I already told you how. Remember the sentence. All the wife needs to do is step out and make it happen. Step out of her cocoon. Step out of her protective. And I say essentially step out and make it essentially happen. Don't be somewhere else when you're in the lovemaking with your spouse. Don't be afraid to be totally essentially there. I'm not holding back nothing from you. I, as a human, with a godly soul, am infinite. I'm letting you into there. I will show you that I am infinite. I'm not holding back. I will allow you into that place. You're my spouse. And then I will allow you to then take me to places within me that I never even knew existed. So challenging, so daunting, and really nothing. All it's asking you to do is stop running, stop protecting, stop holding back. Step out and make it happen. Essentially step out and essentially make it happen. Will and pleasure. So now, I'm going to hand out over here these papers. This is for you to take home. It's the closing of today's lecture. We're closing now. In closing, a practical to-do list. At the end of the day, what we need to close with is a practical to-do list. It all sounds beautiful and awesome. However, the final question you must ask of me is, Rabbi, tell me, what do I do tonight when my husband and I come home? Let's do this together, guys. Number one. Pleasure never has a frown on its face. Essence never has a frown on its face. Be happy. Sounds cliche. Maybe. However, it is super important. Take on a positive attitude of being happy. Remember, you are now stepping out with essence, which means that you are not being reactive to his mood or place of being. Rather, you are being proactive with your mood. If you're going to bring out, essentially step out, and essentially make it happen, a sense does not know a frown. Be happy. I cannot emphasize this enough to you. I cannot tell you how much it hurts when you come home and you ring the doorbell and a spouse opens the front door and already turns around before you even step into the door and already begins to tell you what kind of difficult day and how come you came home late and da 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 da. Killer. Killer. Number two. Be totally you. Be totally you and be totally you. Yes, you are you. However, be totally you. Take a chance and go out there allowing yourself to be totally you. Remember, you want to put everything of you into everything of the marriage. Well, then be totally you. You guys are reading my notes. But you see what I write right after that. Sounds not practical. Well, let me share with you a little personal experience right now. My giving this lecture and saying some of the things that I just said, <laughs> yeah, was me stepping out and being totally me. Tell me, when I did that, how did you feel about this lecture? How did you feel specifically when I went all out and said some of the things I said? You see the next sentence. Your spouse has a right to feel that feeling with you tenfold. You see, when I control myself in my lecture and I'm afraid to say something and there's always a worry and always the what, you feel it. The lecture is okay. You know, I didn't make up this stuff. It's good stuff. But when I'm willing to cross that line and be totally me, I'm sitting here talking to you about lovemaking. Your reaction was different. I saw it in you. I felt it in your energy. Wow, he's letting me in somewhere where doesn't protocol doesn't call. You felt that. You felt all of a sudden, wow, this is not a regular lecture. 
that feeling, your spouse has a right to feel that way with you. Tenfold. So be totally you. Number three, never stop growing. Novelty. Keep on unfolding. Keep on unfolding and shedding all the layers that you have. You don't begin to know how infinite you are. Don't stop growing. Read. I'm giving you a practical list. Read. Not just fiction novels, but read new things that will continuously broaden your horizon and paradigm. Be a true novelty. Never stay stagnant and just continue to do things only the way you do it. Of course you're not a novelty then. Be open to new ideas and to evolving and broadening who you totally are. People, I'm going to go on a little limb here. I didn't put this in my notes, but I'm going to go on a little limb. You know, many times when you talk to Dr. Ruthnicks, they tell you to bring novelty into your wedding, you're going to do things that, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about. I want to give you a very plain rule. There is nothing synonymous between the word beautiful and the word slutty. Do not do something that the next day when you look in the mirror, you're not going to feel like a queen and a princess. I'm not asking you to evolve and broaden into all those stupidities that you hear when you do counseling. She refuses to leave the light on. Yes, she does. Keep the light off. No. I'm not talking about that broadening. Remember what I said in number two. Be only totally you. And if this is not you, don't do it. But the you who you are, don't ever become stagnant. You are infinite. Essence. Keep on evolving. Keep your mind open. Learn something new. Learn a new way to express the total you. And then finally, guys, this line is a lot of what I was saying, if not everything I was saying today. Remember, better to give your spouse an inch of everything than a yard of something. I hope that by this point you understand exactly what that sentence means. Give your spouse an inch of everything than a yard of something. Because that is what drives pleasure. And only pleasure can maintain happily faithful. Guys, God bless you all. May we each have the most amazing marriage, which is a reflection of our marriage with God. God bless you guys.